on this episode of the Faded Golf Podcast, John and I, well, you know what? We talk about a lot of stuff. Um, while golf may be the main focus of uh, what we enjoy and is our hobby, we talk a lot about business. We talk about sports. We talk about motivations and strategy. And um, as John and I have talked about, we get excited about other things beyond just golf, and we hope we relate it back. We do talk a little bit about that. So we hope you guys enjoy this show. Um, could be a theme of what we do through the winter months where golf isn't obviously a, a, a huge focus for us. And we hope you enjoy it. Thanks. I've got this one about two balls out to the right. I'm telling you, man, it's a speed putt. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Episode 5, Season 3 of the Faded Golf Podcast. I'm Mark Julien here with John Falkenberg. John, what's up? Yo, yo. We are in the, the green dungeon. What do we call it? The shank tank? The shank tank. <laughs> That's pretty good, actually. Uh, we'll have to get Shank in here at some point. But Adam Shank? Yeah, we'll get Shank in here. He's playing this week. Is he? Uh, at the Mayakoba? As well as uh, Mr. Duncan. Where is Mayakoba? Um, Mexico somewhere. Uh, Mexico. Um, Peninsula, Yucatan, somewhere. yeah, something like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yucatan National Area. But did you see CPG's I yesterday I did. review on the square toe shoes? No, what is it? Oh my god, it's so good. What is this? So there's this brand of shoes out called Squares with like you know like Z's in it and Q's and whatever. And it literally remember like the old dress shoes that where they would have be like square toed. Probably like from 10, 15 years ago, right? They, the squared off toe. Some guy apparently played, like, went to the driving range with his dress shoes on, probably at lunch or after fucking work or something, and was swinging and felt as though he had more stability with these squares. So he decided to invent a golf shoe with squares. And CPG rips these to fucking pieces. And the reason he does is because Nick Faldo is sponsoring these things right now or is like the you know the basically the person they've brought in to um it shows, promote it, these. it shows if you have money you can push anything and he just rips these to shreds and it's awesome it's so a great three minutes that's movie. my theory on um alcohol so you know oh, you see like oh, yeah. so you see like uh, george clooney and, and ryan reynolds Yep. Get those, they, you know, they get these brands and they push it. So, did you see what Ryan Reynolds sold Aviation Gin for? It was $660 million. Pretty good. He bought in like oh, 180 or something. Like crazy. Yeah. Lo- yeah. So, yeah, quadrupled it. Pretty I mean, good. we had it. It's fine. It's, uh, it, well, it's gin. It's, it's gin. Gin tastes like not, gin. Like, there's not a lot. There's either bad. Gin I went through a gin phase. Here's a, well, did we you? Did. Go we talked gin? about this. Yeah, <laughs> we've talked about this. We all we went through it. We were like gin and tonics at you fucking Christmas trees with fucking limes but, in them. It's awesome. But right? there and there is a and, bit of better quality gin. But would you rate right. it like a? Or would you would you grade it like a? Well, bourbon? no. There, there. That's the thing. There's good gin, and there's, there's bad shit. gin. That's it. There's there's not like in between gin where you're like, oh, you know what. That's good enough. No, it's either like it's shitty and you have to add more tonic to it, or it's good enough that you put a splash. Of I just don't know how many. Like, I don't run across people who just prefer gin. No, not anymore. But how the? F- I mean, he evidently aviation gin is selling like. Well, great. there's clearly a market for it, so I don't. Well, but my theory is like, look, what you're saying with you know, square shoes. <laughs> 
and and then and put and then, Nick and, and, like a, behind then, it. Yeah, then, you put, then a gin that's yeah. like it just it's it, we had it. Like, like if, Ryan, if, I love Reynolds, yeah. great guy, business guy, smart guy. He knows he oh, can use his hilarious. Name. Yeah, he can push it. But I'm just saying, like, if you get Faldo involved with selling those shoes, people are gonna buy it. People will buy them because yeah. they're like, wow. Well, and <laughs> the, the best is the you'll have to watch it, but he claims that he puts on regular shoes. And then he puts those on and gains seven yards. It, it's priceless. The video commercial is it it's real? Fun. Is he serious? Like Faldo's like dead serious. Like he says he gains seven yards. And then, <laughs> and then CPG goes, "I tested it." <laughs> and you seeing him sit into the simulator is fucking awesome. He's like rolling ankles and shit. Oh, it's fucking awesome. Anyway, um, but no, you're right. Like I, I do feel like I mean, it's no. I mean, we've. We haven't bashed other podcasts, like bashed them necessarily, or bashed a lot of things because I'm like, well, whatever. We we clearly aren't good enough to be as good as some other people for whatever reason. But I do believe that you build a brand or you invest in a brand and you can ride it whether or not your content is or your product is quality or not. There there's a lot to that. And 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 our good friend, well, I don't know. I consider him a good friend, even though it's probably just because I listen to him. But like, I consider Gary V, even though I've only talked to him through Twitter before. But Gary will tell you all day that if you have a strong brand, you should be able to do and branch out to about anything. So like BM, like there's no reason like BMW or something like that that has like this incredible automotive brand shouldn't be selling the shit out of like sneakers and fucking phone cases or whatever else and just making a ton of money off of just branding their logo on about everything. Well, but, I think there's groups they won't like hoard out because they just don't want They want to keep like, okay, look, we're exclusive to Correct. BMW and you're not going to see BMW shoes. They could sell the name to it and someone would buy it and pay them a lot of money. But they know like, okay, we want to stay in our lane. And I yeah. think that's smart for businesses because it, you know, it keeps the profit in the right ways, but when you start dabbling in other areas, the strong guys like Nike's going to look at BMW like, "What are you doing over there?" And I guarantee, you know, it's just like politics. There's there's quid pro quo going on at that I level guess. at that big corporate. You I know guess. there is. I guess, but that, that's why they don't do it because otherwise, because yeah. otherwise they. I would. suppose you're probably right because you're. I think you 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 do you build something up and you want to be known for it and you don't want to. You don't want people to get lost on what you're known for. But I for think sure. more yeah. of the deterrent of why they don't do it is because what I just said. They say, look, you know, hey, Nike's going to check you pretty quick. Oh, for sure. Like, don't do it or we're going to pull something from here because there's, you know, Nike sponsors with golf and sports and then BMW and sports. And, you know, they don't want that stuff getting intertwined. Nike has a lot of influence on who's going to buy some cars. It's it's awesome. Like I mean, you're, Gary has a point. I think on what he's saying on platforms. Yes, because if you control the platform, that's why I think like you can have a shitty podcast, and we know a lot of shitty ones that have insane amount of listeners, but it's controlled by a platform. Yeah, right. Yeah, or pushed. Yes. Like how the fuck did Barstool Sports become what it is? I mean, I'm impressed, and I respect the guy. How did it do it? Like what? what? Uh, the, the the NFL podcast probably is the one that's most known, um, it, it, or most listened to. Did he just franchise out these things? Like, what do you do? So he well, so then what he ended up doing is 
Um, so, I mean, he built up a good enough base in Boston, and then he ended up, yes, like reaching out to a bunch of local other areas and say, hey, um, I want you, like, like, right, like, if we're, let's just say, for example, we're worth a shit, and he somehow stumbles across us, and he goes, fuck, these guys are better than the foreplay guys. I'd rather have these fucking jamokes and slap the Barstool brand on the faded, like Barstool faded golf. And he comes to us with a freaking deal. And two jamokes like us would be like, well, yeah, especially because we have like no listeners, but like he likes our product essentially. And that's essentially what he did is he started like then claiming product. Because it's what Spotify did with Rogan. It's like, look, we just want to license Vol- it. Because then he, he made the volume play then, right? So it's like, I can only... He can like, push listeners. Right. Me and my Boston crew can only push out so much content. But if I can get a group out of Chicago, a group out of LA, a group out of this, and they can all focus on different things, then... I can push my Boston group to listen. To exactly. Them. Because it's like, well, these guys in Chicago are really good at this topic. And these guys here... And... and um. Pat McAfee was a barstool guy for like a year. He did like a one year contract with him. Why did he go away from it? Because he could go make more money on his own how, and, and not have to give up the essentially the royalty how well to, is he to doing Barstool. Now? I think he's doing pretty darn good, but I can't I can't imagine he's doing any worse than he was at Barstool. I, I mean think he gets Aaron Rodgers goes on a show every Monday. With Pat McAfee? Yeah. Wow. That's pretty cool. I mean if you can get Aaron Rodgers every after every weekly game to just give you a breakdown on like that's a smart his move, thoughts man. like the, I mean you he's may- right I mean next to Mahomes he's probably the best quarterback in the league. I mean if you can get him every time every week. And so- hey, by the way, that that could be controversial in and of itself. I do think Aaron Rodgers is the second best quarterback in the league behind Mahomes. And you can it, you can debate me all day that, um, fucking uh, Russell Wilson or Tom Brady or keep going down the list on who you think is amazing. But Aaron Aaron Rodgers is at thirty six or thirty seven or how old he, he's fucking good. He's good. He's really that good. good dude is still throwing dimes. He's got an incredible offensive line. He does, but he throws dimes just. Every ball, arm. every ball is right on the money. He's got an he's got an arm, and it's 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 fun to watch him play. Like when they came here, and I watched that game, I was just as interested in watching him play as I was the Colts winning because I was like, like he's just that good. Yeah, you watch him throw versus Philip Rivers, like their mechanics. Oh, it's not same. It's a, well, it's not the same. Rivers is your. I put Rivers in the category of who's the the guy up in Detroit right now? Uh, Stafford. Yeah. Right. There are these gunslinger guys that, man, there's a ton of talent there, and 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 as they've gotten older, the the talent versus the, the mechanics has kind of like started to, to to fade a little bit. But the only thing but like with man, with the, Rivers like, with he is. Like my golf game, like I can go out, I can shoot sixty eight, but I can shoot eighty two. Yes, he has t- his disparity. Right. His disparity is too big. I would agree with that. Like to be, I think, like a guy uh, is. Gonna, I, mean, that's, I think that's one of the reason he hasn't won a Super Bowl. Is that 
he can like one game you'd be like, dude, this guy's better than anybody in the league. Yeah. And then another game, like, I, I don't know. I think you need to put Kobe, J- Kobe back in. Like right. like last week. Yeah, like it was bad. Like he just missed shit. I yeah. was like, dude, you just missed stuff. It yeah. made bad plays. But you And and he's done that his whole career. Whole he's career. had whole career. bad game. But he's also come in to this Colt Stadium, especially when he was a charger, and fucking just killed us. And like just ripped our throats out and just like they beat us and it's been I know. frustrating as shit. I know. And you're like, you're like, it's Rivers. Why the fuck are we losing to this guy? Like, and that's why I think, in my mind, it was worth rolling the dice on Rivers. Well, I think that's why it was worth rolling the dice on him because he can piss you off because well, he's good enough to piss you off. He's have they made it to they made it to the Super Bowl once, didn't they, when they were San Diego? Chargers? I don't know if they did while he was there. So the only, the only thing I Maybe thought, an AFC I thought, championship. I, I think what, um, what's our guys, the, the GM's name here? Ballard. Ballard. I think his thought process is, look, we have an incredible defense. Yep. If I can get a halfway decent quarterback. Yes. Halfway decent. Because Manning won when he was in the middle of the pack of quarterbacks at Denver in the league. And that's why I think he was on, and he was on the downward, downward. And man. I think that's what Ballard's absolutely. Thought. I think it's like, look, if I get halfway, to, I have the probably one of the best, have one of the best defenses in the league. Yeah. And when Marlon Mack wasn't hurt, he was like, well, we got a pretty decent running game, and we got a rookie coming in. Like a lot of things were kind of in the favor of, hey, he's not going to have to throw it as much. He probably can handle it. Well, and then you get injuries, and you deal with some stuff. Is Mack out for the year? Yeah, blew his knee. So done. So, like, I, I, I mean, love Ballard, but at, at the end of the day, you want to talk about a guy who's had a lot of unlucky draws in the last four years of that's, being a GM? That's, that's football, though. It, it is, but man, Andrew like, Luck was big deal. Oh, I mean, Andrew Luck's hurt his first, or well, his first season. Andrew Luck's there. They, you know, they go to like the playoffs crazily, like in a random flurry. And then the next year, Andrew Luck's hurt, and then he's still hurt, and he kind of comes back. Is and, he you know, still like, around yeah. here in Indy? Yeah, yeah, he hasn't went back There's, to. I mean, is there talk? I would say if you were like are an insider, insider, there, there's it's it's not a one hundred percent lost chance. So do you think would you take right now but do you, would you take but do you want take, the question would you is, take do luck you want over him? rivers would you want him right would now would you though? take luck over rivers so the question that's come up in other conversations Next I've year, had, maybe the questions I've had is like I'd, I'd really want to know where his where his head's at though because the reason luck left is it's hard because, to be hurt correct and so like is he mentally in a place where he's like ready to play the game at 100%. I think he's realizing right now, like, how old is he? 28? Yeah. I mean, he's realized right now, like, dude, you're not better at anything else than that. Maybe, you know, maybe he's a better husband. I'm talking professionally. Sure. Like, but. Yeah. But he's not, what else is he going to do? Yeah. I'm saying, like, you are, you're a superstar. Yes. A quarterback. You're a superstar. Yeah. yeah you're, well, that's you're, why we're still paying him right now, by the way. Because give the guy a year or two to sit on that and realize, like, that's where his passion is. And, like, maybe he was confused at a period. 
You give you give the guy a couple years. That's why we need to get. Uh, I mean, we've been meaning to get uh, Nick on. Yeah, we need to. I mean, I, I mean, I just missed the times to set it up. That's Hartwick, right. we'll we'll do it. He's he said he's willing to come on. I should well, ask we'll him. We'll have tonight. a we'll have a holiday week. We well, because we're, we're oh, you're going to Florida. Well, we're we're just generalizing now. Yeah, like the way we're talking about stuff is like, look. You know, hey, we we identify ourselves. We as, can relate it back to golf anyway. But we, we want. <laughs> we, but we identify ourselves as a golf podcast. But you know what? Like, but we're not professional golfers, so we get interested in other shit. We're our lives like kind of like we're in, and we're especially we're we're hacks from the Midwest. We're used to taking well, the season off, and we're also business guys, man. So like, we're always like looking at you know, what's the plan? What's the strategy? Like we love strategy. I don't know. I love strategy. I love it. Like you start, you can talk about strategy for anything. You want to talk about basketball strategy, football strategy, business strategy. I love strategy. I think a person without a strategy or a plan is lost. Yeah. In business and any type of you know, I can show up all day, but I love talking strategy. Like, trust me, I'll, I'll be the best guy that sh- can show up without a plan and probably execute better than most. But man, we start talking about strategy and the plan and what we're doing or what that team's doing or what their next step is or what that next business plan is. Like, I mean, you know, you look at, um, uh, for example, um, you know, like just local real estate stuff that we've been talking about because we do real estate stuff. I mean, that warehouse space, that whole, that, that, that is just crazy blowing up right now. To me, like, what's going on? And then you look at, like, retail and commercial spaces we were talking about. Like, will people be going back to work? Is Are people are offices going to be set up the same way that they were? Are people going to be going back 100%? Are people going to be going 50%? I love the strategy behind that. I love the conversation. Well, that. I think, you know, I, I just think sometimes it's just you got to talk about what you're interested in, right? Where your passion's at. And, you know, I think some... People in podcasts they always have you know feel like to stay in the lane and they do they're very successful at it and you know that's their that's their livelihood but you know you and I have a luxury we can talk what the hell we want because this is not our primary it's not our primary existence of how we how we provide for but you know what we want to talk about shit that's interesting well, we yeah. love golf yeah but you were starting to talk about it you know where I love how you call it warehouse space <laughs> so you know I mean you know commercial real estate Mark is a just a Pretty much, you're a multifamily guy. That's what we do. So I, but I, but I do debt and and, and equity for all commercial real estate uh, property types, and we term it industrial. Mark, <laughs> you call it warehouse space. Those guys get pissed. The industrial guys get pissed off. I'm sure they do. No, but I'm joking. But it's fucking warehouses. It it, it is, and it's well. That, you can. Right, bu- that's what it's being used for right now, though. So what's crazy? What, whether it's whether they're building shit in there or storing shit in there, Mark, it's being used for storage. You wouldn't shit. believe what Indianapolis is experiencing in industrial right now. It's crazy. Like you have million square foot property, million square foot. Think about that for a second. That's a lot. Of square feet. Think about that. I walked in one about two months ago, a million square footer. And I was like, it was vacant, and they're looking to occupy. I was like, oh my, it's so big. Yeah, mammoth. And it. So how long does it take to build an apartment complex? Couple of years. Okay, twenty-four months. You know how long yeah. it takes to build a million square foot? Less than a year. Yeah, a year yeah. less. And you know the value in that? Yeah. Intrinsic, like intrinsic, it's crazy. Yeah. And you're not putting shit into it. It's, but we're 
the the trend towards how many people are using these things because we're all buying stuff online. Yeah. We're all buy, we're having stuff to our house. That stuff's got to be put somewhere. Yeah, it has to be close enough so that when you do buy it, it doesn't take ten days to get here. It takes two days to get here. A million square feet? Does that not just blow your mind? It did me. And I'm in the business. No, no, a million square feet is insanely. And big. when you see it, you're like, but there's there, there's several of them. I mean, I remember wa- when I worked for Toyota. I remember walking into the uh, factory in Kentucky, and them giving me a tour, and me being blown away by the m- massiveness of that facility, and 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 just feeling like, and you see these just giant machines, but then you see these giant shelves, just these huge, like probably. I don't. I don't even know how tall these shelves went, and they, you know, they roll down the aisleways in these, you know, vehicles, and raise up and pull the part down and bring it back. You know, whatever boggled the mind. But they had a system to everything, right? And it, it's the same. It's way. all based on you and I. If we buy a freaking yes. Celica and, and or whatever the correct. hell, correct, a Prius. Yes. Isn't that crazy? When you see how amazing our country is, think about that for a second. Yep, they've got. Million square feet in there. They got the shelves. They're building it like the bog. They're building these things. It's all counting on we buy it. Oh yeah, that's it. And 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 we're the most absurd, ridiculous consumers on the planet. We have to be <laughs> Americans. Oh, and there's not any question. We're the biggest dipshit consumers of all time. Like and it, and they just this fucking device that we stare at. And we were talking about this with that podcast. That we stare at it sucks us in, and and inst- see, I'm not I'm not that negative on on what you it, just said. I think the phone is shit, but I think the innovation is amazing. But it sucks us in because we can just continually, continually scroll that's, to find the next thing. That, that's a whole other topic, though. Like you jump Ugh. from consumerism over to the phone real fast. Let's let's stick with what you said, though. I think like what you were describing with the boggleness of the mind of how big those things were and like all the operations going yeah. on these amazing machines going back think about that like how the thought process to create that well you're right if you dumb it down and you simplify like even the simple things we need like that we used to have to go to the store for right you used to have to go down the aisle and find the deodorant or the shampoo or the whatever right so- pair of socks now I don't have to do that some guy Goes down a huge aisle in a warehouse in a, I don't know what. And they're using those machines that are innovative. Some of them are automated too, right? It's a, but like they don't even have to do it. It's a freaking robot doing it. And they grab the item, they throw it in a box, slap a label on it, and I've got it in two days. So I think you can make that jump over the phone after you say, okay, look, we have made such leaps and bounds of how like our country it's the best country like it's ever capitalism is the main reason for it too of how innovative we are and how smart we are how much we've created things well you keep pushing people for it's incredible to to create something new to get the next leg up it's amazing yes that's what capitalism is but there's i think there's really bad side effects like the phone it's it's shit. It's it's a leash. It's addictive. It's got all these things on there that doesn't make a person productive, except for consumerism. And I think people that I think people are starting to recognize that. I think people in general are starting to recognize that. To know like, hey, we got. I think I think the phone is the new cigarette. 
Oh. That's what I think it is. Yeah. That's that, what that, it is. That's a, that's that's legit. No. That's, yeah, that's legit. I, I really do. I, I do not disagree with you. Either. And I think in 10 years, it's going to be labeled that way. Yeah. And I, I mean, if you well, if you listen to that Rogan podcast from a couple weeks ago with that University of New York professor that wrote the book on technology taking over, he'll tell you that one of the best exercises you can do is detach yourself from this on a daily basis. So... The one there's but one he, experience. I can, what was the, the statistic from that? Was that um, it? It was something stupid, like ninety two percent of people, something like that. I'll have to, I've got to dig it up. Have their phone within an arm's reach, twenty four hours a day. That's so. That's crazy. So I want to relate something to golf here. Like think about that. So one of the best days I can remember in my past. Yeah, five years was when I went to the Masters on Sunday and I could have my phone all day, yeah. the entire day. And by the end of the day, I felt a little at ease. I felt, I felt like, like some, it was like I was more like less, there was, I was more comfortable. I think if people don't start figuring out that this phone is that type of like, it's not good. All the time for you, it needs to be used, and it may become. But, it may it may come to a point where the people might start figuring out where it's not like healthy at all. Like we got by before when we had to go and go in the house and say, "Hey, hey, Mark, you know someone's on the phone. Your buddy's on the phone in the house. Come get the phone, pick it up, talk to him, come over and meet you." Now, can we ever go backward from that? I don't know. I don't think so. But I think people, when they start recognizing like the detrimental effects that it's really causing, we're spending over five hours of our day on a phone. These are statistics from 2020. Um, Americans spend around 5.4 hours a day using phones. Millennials are on their phones 5.7 hours a day. How good? That cannot be good. The average American checks their phone 96 times a day. That's once every 10 minutes. I probably check mine more. Yeah. No, that's the average person. I mean, I'm looking at stuff for work or emails. You do. Is that an excuse? Yes. (laughs) Right. Yes. It's shit. Right. You're like, well, I'm doing it for work. Right. You like do that. And you're like, okay. No, it's shit. Next thing you know, you're down a rabbit hole. Like this guy told a story on the on this podcast how he said, you know, he had he was taking a East Coast to West Coast flight, six hour flight from New York to LA. And he had full intention to like get some work done, read a magazine where he could consume some stuff, maybe read you know, do something. And right before he got on the flight, uh, his buddy sent him a link to download the Flappy Bird game. You remember this game? I don't know if you ever downloaded it or played it, but it literally was a game where, like, it's a bird that flies across the screen, and all you do is tap on the screen to keep the bird essentially afloat until he crashes into something, and then it starts all over again. This game is so addictive because it basically just restarts you. Even when you crash, it, like, automatically restarts you again, so you're just like, oh, I'm already going again. All right, this is great. He spent the entire six-hour flight just playing the Flappy Bird game. 
And this is a professor from New York. I'm actually okay with that, though. Who studies this kind of stuff. If you use that phone for that, I'm actually okay with that. Because when I start going down the but, rabbit holes of, like, fucking YouTube and any social media or, like, Breitbart or CNN or Fox, it's yeah. just shit. And you can start yourself noticing a cycle. Yeah. Like, that, at least, like, yeah, you get least, a brain at least, workout. At least it was a little, and it was and, well, somewhat a mindless brain workout. But you like get a you were brain think, work, I mean, I, and it's why I actually like my wife and I talk about this a lot, and I'm sure you guys talk about this a lot, you and Sherry. But um, you know, from like, what is a healthy amount of time to allow your kids to play video games, and what games do they play, and what do they get out of that? And I'm of a mindset in that. It's not about limiting the time that they play it as much as it is um, making sure that they also do other things. So, like, we make sure that they play tennis and obviously go to school and do things like that beyond it. But at the same time, I have amazing conversations with my sons about what they're doing within these games at this point and now that they're older especially like when they were first you know what, what you but they're like dad i did this and i did this and i was talking and, and i want to do this and this is what i want to come like that's strategy that's planning that is and he's like oh when i was playing with this guy and we teamed up i'm like holy shit that's work like that is actually a skill set you're somewhat you don't know you're building it right now but it's a skill set so, so I don't get worried about it as much as some people, so, but there's there's still a balance. So I was listening to Ro you know, I love Rogan. Mm -hmm. So he had some specials on there and on his podcast. And he said that you're as a parent, your influence over your child, like over like six or seven, is like fucking three percent. Like it really they're gonna end up the way they're gonna end up, and it, it's not gonna be up to you and I. It, it no, it seriously is not, and it, like the studies show, like they're gonna make their own decisions. Yep, they're gonna do what the hell they want. So if my kid wants to play fifteen hours a day of video games, if I stop him or not, it's probably not gonna make a difference. No. It's really not. No. So the core base, like, hey, you know, I'm. It, the guy on there said it does and it doesn't. Like, look, you need to do everything you can. Like, do what you you know. Don't be stop being a parent. Don't stop being a role model, but at the end of the day, your kid's going to make his own choice. Sure. They're going to make their own choice, and this is what's going to happen. If you prevent them by video games, that could backfire. I, I look at it as, you know, I think any of us as we go through this thing called life, right, whatever, um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a bucket of time in which you try to figure out, like, what you really enjoy. And as a kid, it's the best time to figure that out. It's <laughs> when you have the most fun. Correct. Well, it is. You have the most fun. You have the most time. And if you screw up and make mistakes, basically almost nobody judges you when you're a kid, when you make mistakes either. Like, you're allowed to basically make huge mistakes. And people are like, ah, he's a kid. And people are good. So the way I look at it is, like, uh, it's, it's why you see so many prodigies um, probably at younger ages now in sport because 
they focused on it and they've decided like, God, this is really what I want to do. And there's parents that have allowed them to do that. And in the same vein, I think uh, there's a lot of parents that are holding people or their kids back because they're like, well, that's not what I want for them, though. Or I want them to do this and I want them to do that. And it's like, shit, if my kid could be really happy from the age of nine to 22 and I feel like they get a decent education and somewhere in the middle, but they really enjoy themselves also in the in between. Why does it matter if they follow what you basically envisioned for them? So it just doesn't. So uh, it, yeah, it's bizarre. But, but we're you're gonna you're we're leading into. So I think that's gonna be a little like kind of you know it might be a little controversial. It's like if you and Mark and John. Mm-hmm. We, we like our own lives. We pursue our own interests. And we don't live through our children. Because there's a lot of people out there that live through their kids. And I'm, I'm not pointed out like who they are, but there's a lot of people do that. They do. I don't do that. And, like, I want my kids to be able to, like, yeah, yeah. fight their own ways. They right. got to be able to, you know, they got to be, because shit hey, ain't easy. And there's no guarantees in life. But also, I don't care if my kid wants to play football or doesn't. Or if they want to swim, or they want to be in the math club, but you gave them the opportunity. Like right? I'll give them the opportunity, like, but yeah. I'm not gonna push shit. Absolutely. And then when they're doing it, I'm not gonna live through them. I'm gonna be happy for them. Yeah. And and if if tomorrow they tell you, hey, Dad, I don't like that anymore, I'm gonna be good with it too. Yeah, fine, whatever. Like the who was it? I was who was I talking to? Um, it was like a friend of a friend or a colleague or whatever, and. Their um, their kid went all the way up into like maybe their sophomore or junior year of college playing baseball, and they hated every minute from their like sophomore year in high school all the way up to that junior year in college playing baseball. They hated it, like they were over it by the time they became like you know sixteen years old. They didn't want to even do it anymore, but because their parents. We're so pushing them to do that because they probably started at seven and had been doing it for so many years. And it's like you there was like a guilt trip essentially put on them. They felt as though they had to continue to pursue that and play like division two or division three baseball for whatever college it was, because it was like that was what was expected versus the story that I hear of the kid that his junior year that I, I just heard that actually his sophomore year. I just heard this story. That his sophomore year, he says, Mom, Dad, I don't want to play basketball anymore. I want to play in the intramural league and some pickup games for exercise and fun with the guys or whatever. But he's like, I, I don't want to play at this like elite, try to try to compete at this elite like level anymore, where like I think I'm gonna be playing in college because it's just it's not who I want to become. I'm gonna focus on school and business, and I'm gonna do this just for fun now. You want to talk about a 16-year-old that telling his parents that and his parents be really good with that and also appreciating that their kid did that? What, what a proud moment as a parent. Like, if my kid came to me at any moment and said, hey, I want to do this instead, like, I hope any parent would be like, that's cool. Tell me why. Okay, give me your start. Like, that's good. And, and a parent being cool with that is awesome. Yeah. 
but I think like I think it moves on to like a bigger thing. It's competition in general. Like, look, yeah, that's why I think maybe we should we should call this the Faded Capitalism Podcast because we're proponents of that, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, because capitalism is like sports. Like, if you do the best, like you win. Like, if you give the best product, you sure. win. It's yeah. it's 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 just it's great. Like, that's why golf to me is the best. Like I used to not even think it was a sport, but I think it's the best sport there is. Oh, it's, it it's is. the best. Like because you have you're on your own, you have to hit the shot. There's no leaning on anybody else. There's no judgment. Like I try to equate it. Like and, what's and, and, what's an individual sport you can compare it to? Uh, There's not uh, hardly any wrestling. Wrestling still judge with points. I'm trying to think of like. What's another thing that you do essentially by yourself where you, I don't like Tetris, like tennis, like, tennis. No, because you still compete against another player. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, like golf, you're literally competing against yourself. No, you're competing against the field. It's 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 the most equivalent to no. That's only if you're in a tournament. Like golf in general, you're literally just competing well, against ta- yourself. But I'm talking a competitive nature. Well, sure. But think about it. So if you're competing, like when you and you're I... You're competing against a hundred guys. Tennis, you have a one-on-one. I know, it, I know. It's you, not you, match you, you made a great point there. Yeah, it's not That's what I'm saying. Play. Like That's why it's so like golf is such a good... That's why I think you and I are drawn to it. It's such a yeah. good equator to capitalism. Think about it. You go out, you're J.C. Hart. Are you competing against just one other group? No. Yeah. You're competing against the field. And that's what I do all the time. That's why we relate to it. It's like you're a golfer. It's so difficult. You're an individual. You're competing against, you know, how many people start a golf tournament? 120 guys? You know, there's a ton of dudes. And you got to beat them all. Group comes from German pianist and what, is, what do you have going on there? Oh, here, we're going we're gonna to play this. There are no easy pieces. They are all difficult. Next, we'll explore how... So... What the hell was that? So there's this... It's a piece. It comes out on Spotify, but it's a daily quote. And so it's a musician, and they, they kind of dug into it a little bit and obviously moved on. But his point is, there's nothing easy. You're always trying to... And a- athletes understand this. Capitalists understand this. People understand this. Is that um, if you accept that you've perfected something, then you're you you've you've begun losing at that point. Is kind of his point. It, meaning, um, if you feel as though uh, the art, and this is all art, right? Like being a capitalist is art. Being a, uh, an athlete is art. Being a musician is art, and. If you if you've essentially believe at some point that you've perfected it, then you actually have more potential of going backwards. Is it basically what he's saying? But if you have the mentality of that every single time you perform something, it's extremely hard to do it. You'll consistently believe that you need to one up every single time. So it, it's it's basically an attitude. Is is was his point. And I think it's exactly what you're saying. And the beauty of capitalism, the beauty of sport, the beauty of whatever is that um, the beauty of golf, in my mind, is that there's never a moment where after any given swing, 
I truly 100% believe it was perfect. Never. Well, that's why I think golf is the closest thing I can relate to in any sport. Yes. And I didn't realize that till I got older because, first of all, what you just said there is like, it's never perfect. Never. You can never beat the game. Nope. And you're competing it if when you're like a like a competitive nature. You're competing against so many other yes. guys. Yes. Like and not at the same time. If I'm playing you in basketball, I feel like I can beat. You. I can focus in on that. I've got a little yes. bit. Of, I got some more control. Yeah. And sometimes in like capitalism, there's that way. Like you can get like okay, you guys are the final three bidders or something. Sure. So there's situations, but in general, capitalism is like I'm going out to the market when you start. And I'm gonna, you know, I compete against the field, and that's what golf is. Yeah, and and you do what you can to try to put yourself in a position to play as good as you possibly can. And so, whether you're running a business, whether you you are playing a piece of music, or you are playing around a golf, or yeah, dribbling a goddamn basketball, anytime you sh- just show up, I guess is really the point, and just be like. I like basically you almost become content that you've put in all the work. It's still not good enough. It's it's kind of the point. I I like that. I don't like, (laughs) unfortunately the way they do that quote, it kind of seems kind of like yoga or something like that (laughs) with the way the, the person that they have that. But the point is the quote itself was really good in that. Um, even like the best musicians, if they feel like they perfected it, I love that his attitude was like, he's like, even if I think I played it really well, I always feel like I could play it better. And I, I'm like, that's awesome. But like, if, like, if you were a musician, like if I was Dave Matthews and I went out, think of how many live shows that guy does a year. Obviously not this past year, but how many live shows that guy's done in his lifetime. But if every time he goes out on that stage and he's like, I want to play that song even better tonight. God, I mean, that, that would be phenomenal so if he went out there and did that. I think there's a point though that you do you you have to have a point where like a, a goal reached you have to enjoy and that has to be almost like the equivalent to perfection like you feel like okay i achieved that goal oh yeah Benchmarks. but i got i got yes. bench but that's that's human equivalent of perfection like i achieved that oh well, like i won the club championship or i won this that's well, perfection at that moment at that moment but if you're not hungry for the more, next benchmark that's that, it that's the point of that quote is that even though like you're like, wow, I think that was the best I played that piece of music, or that was the best game I've ever played, or that was the best round of golf I ever played, if you don't go back and think of, well, you know, well, what's my next goal? I can like, choose 65. What's my next mission? Yeah. Then, then what are you really doing? And, it, well, this, I mean, Michael, I told you, Michael Hart and I, we talked for like, almost three hours last night. And, you know, I, I came, we, we talked a lot about playing golf, playing golf here at our club, playing golf with the guys that we play with at our club. And there are a group of guys out here that are extremely competitive like this. Like every year they want to become better or every round they, they go out, they want to beat the guy who they're playing against and win $20 off of them or whatever it is. Like there's a there is a group of guys that want to core do that. Group, a core group. There are. There's also a group of guys out here that could give two shits about whether they win ten bucks, twenty bucks, if there's even a game going. All they care about is 
having a good time out there. That's it. I say that's 80% of the golf club. Correct. And I don't, the only thing I don't know, and maybe because I haven't belonged to another club, um, I haven't been part of another group, is, is that a normal percentage? Yes. So what's the bitching about that we have around here then? I don't think there should be any bitching about it. Bitch we have a great we have a great club. Bitch, no, uh, oh, conditions a club. That's what we can bitch about. Eh. You know why? You what well, we do? We've talked about why the conditions of club the way they are. The only thing we shouldn't be actually we shouldn't even be bitching about the conditions of club. The only thing that matters right now is making sure everybody moves into this neighborhood. As soon as everybody moves into this neighborhood, everything gets better. Is Michael coming? Maybe one day. Why don't he come out here? Well, he might move to. He might go play at Woodland. He might go join Crooked Stick. I don't fucking know. He, uh, we need him out here, living in the neighborhood. So we could, go, go, we could just go fucking drive to his house. It'd be right great. Now. We knock Wait, on his door and say, you, Michael, we're here. But, you know, Michael, in the current stage that he's in, in the window he's in with the little kids, he's like, I want to play five holes. And he looks at Woodland and he goes, God, I could do a loop of four or five holes. I could play four holes in the back nine at Woodland. I could play five holes in the front nine at Woodland and, and be done if I wanted to. Or I could just go play nine and I feel like I could get back. Or if or if my my nine kind of got cut short, I could like skip a couple holes and like get back to the clubhouse quickly. And I'm like, you can't and do living, that out here. And living at Woodland, uh, just at least belonging there. Not well, there. I just think like if you live out here, you, you can do that. You can pull that shit off. Oh yeah, because you got a golf cart, you blow around. Yeah, I do whatever. that shit. It's easy. I do that all the time. But when he doesn't live out here, and that's what I'm saying. It's like yeah. we need to get Michael out here. Yeah, absolutely. Where does he live? Oak Manor. Okay. Yeah. I'd love him if he came out here. Maybe someday. You never know. Michael, get out of here. Yeah, there you go. Michael, we just want you to move to the hood. Well, I I my I don't know where I was going with all that, <laughs> to be honest with you. I don't care. It was good. It was a good conversation. I think oh. we're gonna what are we gonna we're gonna try a little tequila tonight? We're gonna switch from bourbon? Um yes, because what did we have? Like uh four weeks in a row. Or four podcasts in a row where we drank shitty bourbon. Um, and You're a fan of the, you've had the tequila. I have not. I tried it. Yes. So I I, I want to hear. So you know, look, we're we're just you know, hey, this is we're a golf podcast, but we we get disinterested in golf because we're that's not well, our, that's not our profession. Let's let's wrap up before we before we jump into the tequila tequila. Tequila. Let's wrap up with a little golf conversation. So, did you watch any of the no. match three? No, no. Me either. Not a minute. Don't care. Um, that course looked beautiful. I saw little highlights in uh, Johnny Hart, your brother-in-law. He, you know, he said like that. You know, it's one of the coolest courses, like in Arizona. He right. loves Arizona golf. He does like Arizona golf. He's been out there. Um, he's a big fan of that. But I. I yeah. don't know anything about it. Um, I don't. Uh, Charles Barkley. Not swing. playing for shit. I mean, I don't get it. It's, like, okay, it's look, charity. Yeah, oh, good. Whatever. Good for them. Like, Just give your own or whatever. Good for you guys. I, I you're, think you. Once you're rich. You get, you're rich, and you're giving a charity money. W- would you agree that once you get beyond the majors, golf just doesn't really matter? I don't know. It's just this year shit just seems like even we we weren't that excited but, for the Masters. But 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 even like think think about like not given even this year, 
we go back the last few years when we've talked about this stuff. Once we get through what would be either the Ryder Cup or the President's Cup, which is usually what in October or, or something like that, does golf and matter? So here, here's my my feeling on the theory. So when you hear the term a tradition like no other, you know what that is. Like it's the Masters. Like you get that. Like we have no tradition this year, so we're like our mindset is just feeling like. There's no like plans, like, and we don't even know what next year's gonna bring. Like, we're thinking, like, what the fuck's gonna happen with that? Like, there's gonna be no fans, the Masters. There's gonna be no fans, of the US Open. That sucks. Like, so we're not excited about it. You know, I want to get excited again. Like, think about us a year ago. Think about the Masters, or you know, whatever. Nine months ago, we were getting excited as shit. We're talking about, we're thinking about. That's our focus. Yep. And then, like, golf in general, when things are normal and people are going to... I'm telling you, like, golf having no fans sucks. It sucks. It's not the same. It's not. It sucks. I will say that um, I don't think there will be any fans of significance at the Masters next year. No. Um, There probably won't be any fans of significance until... The British? The, the, well, the, the Ryder Cup next fall. I hope. I hope. That'll be the soonest. That'll be. And that it, that'll be because I believe that whatever this vaccine is will be widespread enough that they get, they feel comfortable selling tickets and letting people risk whatever it is they're risking. That's the next podcast. We're just, you know, I think that's not going we, we, we want to go, go off on the coronavirus? No, I, 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 no I don't. Okay. Not yet. I mean, just... No, because we're, I, I think we're, we're, we're both in a point that we, we, we probably are going to speak out of emotion. <laughs> so let's, uh, let's get some tequila. All right. We'll take a, a pause here. We'll be right back. Thanks, everybody. Whatever that's called. It's I don't know. Austin. Hey, Texas. we're back. Um, we have, uh, we have some tequila. We have some Dulce Vida. Dulce Vida. It's an organic tequila. Um, it's an Añejo. It's this is not this is not a uh, Mexican product. It's Austin, Texas. Oh, it's imported through Austin. So um, no, I think it's actually it says Austin. It's a Dulce Vida Spirits, Austin, Texas. I think that's where they're based. I mean, of course, they got to get the agave Correct. through Mexico. But I well, they're think- importing it, and it, so the brand is is out of Austin, is what you're which which is yeah, that's kind of rare. All right. Let's let's. I mean, let's if you can get good tequila based out of the yeah. states, you've you've yeah. tried it. I have not tried this. Um, yeah, I think it smells. I mean, it smells delicious. It's it's yeah. So it's been aged. It's an añejo. At least two um, years. Um, so yeah, at least two years. Um, there's a batch number on here and some red pen. Uh, What'd that it, bottle cost? It's a hundred proof, about sixty five bucks. So not. Ridiculous. Okay, I'm going um, in. I'm going in. Yeah, do it. It's uh so there's a there's a one of these new total wine and more um whatever uh like massive liquor stores that have come to town. Tastes like tastes like tastes like Hadura. Yes, very similar. Is that what you're feeling? Very you similar. Is yes. That, is that yes. the first Yes. I mean it's like similar smell, flavor, very close to Hadura. Yeah. Is that what you thought the first mm-hmm. time? Absolutely. 
Wow. Our palates are improving. Cheers to that, buddy. <laughs> All right. Um, no, it has it, and why I liked it actually. Um, it, there, there's a there's a burn up front, some alcohol, but after that, how good is the flavor? After you get like like the flavor lingers, it's good. This is this is good stuff. I think because I like Hadura. Yes. So, um, uh, or it's it's organic. As you kind of see here, so my guess is, and I'll have to do a little homework on it, but uh, and I'll, I'll I'll link it up or something like that. But it must be a brand that's based out of Texas, but obviously they're still pulling the agave plant out of. It's strong, a hundred proof. It, it, there's some alcohol here. It, it there is a little burn, but what I like about it is that we just poured a little bit neat, and you just do like a little sip, it gives you all the flavor you need. Um, it's not like bourbon where you're you're going for the sweetness at all. You're just like there's. I mean, you get some great this agave flavor. Yeah, this is good. Why did you pick this? So I get on that distiller app anytime I go into a store, or the Vivino app when I'm looking at wine, and I always see what other people are saying about it. And um, this one, again, I'm at this total wine. Shop that's this brand new. Ma- Have you been there yet? It's no. in Nora. It's yeah. right across the street from Chris's Tacos. Right across the street. Well, that could be a day. So, we I think we're gonna have to go there. But could say lunch tomorrow. Um, could 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 be a thing, or or you could come to uh, Top Golf with me tomorrow afternoon. Anyway, uh, <laughs> might be done. Might be a thing too. <laughs> anyway, um, but the uh, I go in there. I mean. It's like a grocery store of liquor. Yeah, I've been... There's a place called Friar Tuck in St. Louis. Correct. They're yeah. huge. Right. It's it's basically like a grocery store of liquor. So, like, whole aisleways that I don't know if I'm a major fan of those. I, it was overwhelming. I'm not going to say that it wasn't. It's usually more wine than anything. Oh, correct. 50% of the whole building was wine. I would say maybe... Do you know maybe how many wines are... It's crazy. Insane. I don't get that. Insane. And... The price for, like, so, like, this bottle right here will last me of a liquor. That'll last me a really long time because I'm drinking in small quantities. This is the same size, essentially, of a bottle as a bottle of wine that I could drink in one sitting if I wanted to. I would never drink this in one sitting. So You think you could? I would die. You think you could drink that in a day? No, I think you'd die if you drank that in a day. I think I've seen you drink a fifth of in a day. <laughs> that was bad. That was bad. <laughs> that was a bad day, though. It was a bad day. It was. Well, a... you still stood up. You didn't uh, puke. Uh, it was a rough day, but I think, I think I mean, I, think I may have lost yeah, my, my hat that yeah, day. Yeah, but the whole but, day, a whole day, you can handle. Yeah, like, but my my point but is, you could you could drink a bottle of wine in what two hours, three hours. Oh yeah, I'll I'll put a bottle of wine down in a night. Easily. That's the point. The but consumption. And, that, and that's level. the thing. Like that's. And they're not much more cheaper than a free correct. Rat. Like a good bottle of yeah. wine, a good a decent bottle of wine is going to cost you anywhere from twenty to a hundred dollars, depending on obviously what it is. Um, I try to find stuff that's in that twenty dollar range that I feel like is the value or less even. Um, I don't like overpaying for wine. Every now and then I'll buy the thirty forty dollar bottle. Every now and then, you know, you, you you really upgrade and you get that fifty, seventy-five dollar bottle or whatever. I'm not a hundred dollar bottle of wine guy. I just don't do it. But um, 
here, you I don't, buy sit. You know, I don't, me, mind, I don't like wine. Period. Right. I don't mind buying this for sixty five bucks, knowing that I'm going to sip on it probably for another year. That's that's a good. That's good tequila. Because it's fun. It's, no, it's, no, it's, it's that's it's that's like really some, good. So like gifting, collecting. I think it's a cool bottle. But that that is a solid bottle. That's good to gift and collect. Isn't that cool? Not even, not even like just it's. I'm, I'm gonna probably I'm for gonna, sixty-five bucks. There's only one. You can't you can't get uh, the whatever the <clears throat> Casa whatever Casa Azul right now. You can't get it. You but can't find it anywhere. I would drink that with Casa Azul. Like put it right there, but. It it has that flavor of so Herradura. The only sure. so my favorite tequila, and I still have it up there, is the Herradura Ultra Anejo. Oh yeah, the Ultra. Like we both. Yeah, it's good. I think we've rated it at like one of our highest. Yeah, this one is this a is little good. bit more alcohol, um, but it's got cool flavors. In it's it. just good. Yeah, I, I think it's a cool thing to get have this. on your shelf. If you can find it, the hey, Total Wine and more, or wherever the hell I got. Call it. these fellas, these guys. See if we can get them on the pod. Dulce Vida. Dulce Vida. It's a great name, too. It is kind of good. Yeah. Yeah, so, I'm in. Yeah, we recommend this one. Um, finally, I think we went four weeks in a row this year with being like, no, we don't recommend gifting or buying it. I think we're trying to, we're figuring out, like, there's craft beers, there's craft bourbon, and there's craft tequila. Like, you need to stick with the guys and know what the hell they're doing. And you you might run into, like, some guys like this that... Sure, you're going to find a Some rares. Few. Yeah, I mean, you're going to find a few. And there's a few craft well, beers and, that and, they know what they're um, doing. Who was it? Who gave... Who? Um, uh, Rick. Rick, last week, on Thanksgiving, he went to this same place and found a bourbon, and I'll have to find out. I, I think I wrote it down somewhere. But it was a... There was a cool bourbon... That was fairly rare or unique or whatever, and it was very good as well. Local? And it was only yeah, uh, no, it wasn't local. It might have been. It was just kind of an unusual, but it was only fifty, sixty bucks too. It was really good. So I gotta find out what that one was again, and maybe we'll go buy a bottle of that next time. Man, Chris's tacos. Man, oh, actually, Chris's tacos is closed to eat inside right now, though it's carry out only. So. We'll just eat some tacos outside and go to the liquor store. <laughs> probably end up doing that. Like or, a true or, or, go to, or or like Johnny Michael and I did, we went to fucking Chipotle around the corner and it didn't matter because then at least you could eat wherever the fuck you wanted uh, to. That's so cool. Let's talk. All right. Well, uh, cheers, John. Love it. As always, uh, go out there, hit more greens. If you still have the weather to do so, you'll score better. And uh, thanks for listening. Everybody. Thanks, guys. See you.